0: This is the Wine Me Dine Me podcast. Forget the etiquette. No rules, just real talk.
1: All right. Well, I'm excited that we are
0: all together for this week's pod. What are we what are we talking about, Reagan? All right. Today, so engagement season is upon us, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are about to get shiny new bling on their fingers. And so today what we're going to talk about is slow down and the importance of booking your planner before you start firing off and booking all your other vendors and your venue.
1: Why do you think most brides book their venue so quickly? Is it because they're excited or they just can't wait? They don't think they need a planner? What do you think the main reason is?
0: I think it's a combination of both. I think they're really excited. They are likely off of work over the holidays. They're with their parents. Um, They have time to do some research. I think they're mostly excited. But I also think there's that stress of lack of availability and booking something right when they like you want to get something as fast as you can. But it's so important to just think through everything. Um, Can't tell you how many times we've spoken with prospective clients who did not think through the whole budget, did not think through the whole bigger picture, and they have sunk so much money into their venue that they can't achieve the overall vision that they actually want. So Mm -hmm. slow down,
2: take a breather. I mean, for me and Allison, I feel like you probably had this too at your previous sales position. Like how many times did you do a sales call with people that weren't engaged yet? Mm. or that people that wanted to go ahead and put a date on hold or reserve a date, but they still weren't engaged. Would y'all accept that? We did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'd signed
0: a contract to put money down. I had this one mom who called me for over a year. The engagement's just right around the corner. The engagement's right around the corner. By the time we actually did book the wedding, this was years ago. And finally, when it did, I think it was like a two-year thing. But I just was like, I'm not, we can't commit to a date until, you know.
1: Way oh, to gosh. hold out for that, Reagan.
0: Well, after a while, I started to think she was a little cuckoo. <laughs> cuckoo. She, she still was. Uh, yes, she was very much cuckoo. Let's talk about some of the due diligence that we do and why it is important to bring a planner in before you contract your venue. It's looking at the contract and reading every single line
2: on it. We fell into the situation this past year with with clients that looked at the contracts, but they weren't as diligent as we felt that they should have been. And it really ended up biting some of them. On the flip side, I mean, it's looking literally at how many hours you get in beforehand or, you know, what is load in, what is load out, what are those expectations or even going into more nitty gritty when you're looking at budget and what are they charging you for? What are those additional taxes or service charges or gratuity? What are they calling them? What are those percentages? You know, 20% for gratuity is a lot different than 24%, which we ran into with a venue this past year. And we had a client not that happy, but they signed the contract agreeing to it. We've also worked with some other venues where literally, even if we are handling the rentals and the management of those, you know, these venues are still adding on their percentage as well because we're not using their in-house stuff. Um, So all of that stuff adds up greatly.
0: The other thing is, and this kind of touches on a recent episode we had on venue coordinator versus event planner is the venue salespeople, while They want to set you up for success. They're really they're working for the venue, so they really care about their sales. They're not there to advocate for you, for your vision, for your budget, all of that like a planner would be. So one of the examples that we had this this past year that you were talking about, Rhiannon, was this client came to us saying they wanted a complete ballroom transformation. And they had conveyed that to the venue salesperson, but the venue salesperson wanted to book the space and also didn't ask the questions of like, okay, let's talk about that to identify that no, their standard booking window that allows you to get into the ballroom at 1 p.m. on the wedding day was not adequate for their needs. And so, you know, we found ourselves in the position of, wow, okay, the venue is booked the night prior. We have to be out by 9am. All of a sudden you're, we had to call the client and say, look, we contractually cannot do this transformation like you want. And ran and you and I started looking at alternative venues to suggest to the client. We pulled it off, but what we had to do, and I was very candid with the client, was we have to taper your expectations as far as what we can achieve. And so the design that we will be presenting to you is only going to be possible in this very, very short window of time.
1: And coming from the experience as a venue manager, you're there to sell the venue. Like you're not there to tell them all of the potential negatives. And most of the time, the client is just super excited to sign the contract. But I'm not telling them the day before their wedding is a huge, the biggest wedding of the year. So that's going to impact their load in time. Or if it rains, you're going to have to spend $10,000 on a tent. They're not really going through all of that on the initial site visit.
0: Well, and then even on top of that, like if you wanted to bring a tent, let's talk about that timeframe. So... What if the wedding the night before doesn't have a tent, doesn't want a tent? Some Sometimes what planners do is when we're in these tight situations, we will reach out to the planner the night before or after and just say, hey, can we do a tent share? Can we partner any of these rentals? Anything we can do to alleviate that transition and accomplish the job, which also saves the clients some money as well. But If that person before or after you doesn't want a tent, then all of a sudden that tent's going up on that day. And then your decor people cannot start until, you know, three or four hours once the tent is fully installed. And then you're severely limited as far Mm -hmm. as what you can do decor wise. So a client's not necessarily thinking through that when they're booking.
2: I was going to say, we actually have a client that's going through that same exact thing this summer. Where literally they have a fair, they they have a brunch wedding the next day. And that hugely impacts load in, load out, what that looks like, potential design, because everything has to be fully removed that evening.
0: Yeah. And we're pricing out costs of overnight crews, which sometimes it's not even possible to get an overnight Mm -hmm. crew, whether the company, the tent company can even source the people or if the venue will even allow it.
2: Sometimes it's a noise ordinance too, which we've run into. That's Mm -hmm. right.
0: That actually was the venue that we were in this major time crunch it was, it was a resort. So there were hotel rooms nearby. And so they had a very strict, like at 9 PM, nothing can be going in and out of the loading dock. So it was, uh, it's interesting. We've had crews that have gone through the night before and the client pays dearly for that. It's, it's pretty wild.
1: And from a food and beverage perspective, if we can sit down with the client beforehand and know exactly what they're envisioning for dinner service, maybe they're wanting wine pairings brought in from somebody special. If you're just doing your typical site visit with a venue manager, they'll say, oh, yeah, all of these wines are included. They're really nice wines. And then you get down to the point and you're like, I don't like any of these, mm-hmm. but it's $15 per person just to change one wine.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. just
1: establishing their expectations ahead of time and then finding the venue that aligns perfectly.
0: Yeah. And your planner would be able to speak to their food, uh, mm-hmm. their wine, like you're saying, and also their service capabilities. So say, for example, you wanted a 500 person seated dinner. We might say this venue um, could probably do 200 very well, but if you want a reception for 500, you're better off, better off doing like a station dinner or lower your guest count because we can tell you right now a 500 person seated dinner at this venue will not be successful. Right. The other thing about your talking to your planner is, you know, you're talking through. you've done the contract review, you're talking through the logistics of loading in, loading out, and then just like the insider tips of working there. But a planner might also be able to present another option that is just as good. And you've just never heard of it before. So I think it's good to just kind of explore everything. It's, you know, you wouldn't try on just one wedding dress, you might want to try on some others, because in trying on others, you may realize, okay, I really do love this original one that I fell in love with. Or maybe there's this other venue that could allow me to do more things. You know, the way that we structure our booking window, we book within 12 months. And so one of the panics that people have is nothing's available, nothing's available. So one of the things that we do most often is getting creative with venues. And and we work in different places the majority of the time because of this. But especially Charleston, a place that books out 18 months out, when we get inquiries for Charleston, we'll say, have you looked at Savannah? Have you looked at this really beautiful place in the low country or, you know, finding them some destination that gives them all of the same feelings. Um, And then they've been really happy. Um, Another nice thing is that we've
1: worked with so many venues. So we have that relationship with them and we can vet them as well. Um, So we know how many rentals are included or what design looks best in here. And a lot of, Clients, when they're booking the venue, they don't even know what rentals they might need or they hear all tables and chairs are included, but then you look at their Pinterest board and it's not your typical standard table with the linen. So sometimes a venue that provides nothing is better for this client or one that doesn't care as much about the overall aesthetic. Maybe one that just has the basic rentals is better. And then also with the relationship allows us to easily have conversations with the venue on they don't like this. Can we make something work and do this upgrade and keep the cost the same? So having that relationship, we can be the middleman for them.
0: Right. Nine times out of 10, we've probably already asked them what kind of like how far we can push certain limits. And so we know the answers. Um, And then we also know the people who to ask and who not to ask at those venues. And then, and then decor wise, you know, if somebody has a lot of drapery in their presentation, um, we could say, yeah, you can't, like there's one venue on Kiowa, you can't install anything. Like it's a ballroom, it's beautiful, but you can't even put greenery on their existing light fixtures. So knowing that upfront is, is hugely important because otherwise you're going to be set up for disappointment. So I think this kind of segues too into just, you know, venue is important, but also the other thing that uh, couples get trigger happy on is booking their photographer and their band. And so once you have a a planner locked in, it's not only the venue recommendations that they can provide you, but it's also the vendor, vendor, vendor recommendations, mm-hmm. just based on your experience. So everybody's, you know, it's just the whole Instagram versus reality. You just, before you start pulling triggers, you want to vet them. I know you're excited, but just slow down. You can't put vendors on hold like you can with a venue, but you do need to take a pause and talk to a planner about, you know, does this person fit your priorities, your style, your budget? Um, Are they good to work with? What's the deliverable like? All of those things.
1: It'll also save them a ton of time and stress. If they just get engaged and don't have to think about anything except for what they want, they don't need to be doing all the venue research, setting up all the site visits. That just takes time
0: exactly. Well, let's talk about two, I think the next most crucial thing on why you need to book your planner first, and that would be budgeting. Um, I mean, for budgeting, again, I, it goes back to looking at those contracts
2: when you're looking at venues and what those additional plus pluses are. And, you know, if you're looking for, to do a certain aesthetic or design and you're going to need an extra day or an extra day before or an extra day after for, you know, set up and breakdown and everything. What are, what are those additional prices? What's that additional fees that are going to be added into it? You know, also it's good to look at, do they require you to use their in-house AV, you know, or is it something that you can bring in? Who are those required people that you have to work with? And if you use someone else, is there additional price added onto that? We've seen that before. Or we've seen it at a venue where you have to, you know, have their on-site AV person there, you have that charge, but then you can also bring in your own additional person. So just looking, you know, with a fine tooth and comb, what are all those different things? Um, Because it adds up. I mean, you can do a very basic budget, but then when you get to the nitty gritty and you're a month out and you're really looking at, you know, your overall food and beverage or venue cost, you know, things can add up that you weren't expecting. Um, So it's huge to look at.
0: Yeah. And, and also the back of house side of things too is what if you say you book this venue that is relatively remote, then consider what are the costs associated for housing your vendors who are there for multiple days? You know, what are the nearby accommodations like? I mean, that can add up very, very quickly when we go with our production team and we have to rent Airbnbs or stay on property you know all things to to consider there. Well, we're thinking about the logistics side of it, not right. just
1: the pretty side. So even down to how close is it to guest accommodations, okay? It's 5 miles. We're going to need to hire transportation. That's another line item, things like
0: that. Exactly. And and the other thing is with the recommended vendors, there are some incredible resorts that require you to use everyone in-house and I'm a believer that you can't be the best at everything. You can't be the best at food and Bev. You can't be the best at hospitality overnight accommodations. You can't be the best at flowers. And so I don't like those one-stop shop resorts. And I, I also think that people who are spending this much money to first just get their foot in the door at these resorts don't want a one-stop shop. To me, that's like a low-budget approach. They want the more like bespoke, custom, you know, approach to a wedding. So one thing to keep in mind is, are those loopholes of, do we have to use everybody on site? There are some resorts that if you hire the planner first, you can bring your own decor team with them. I've had calls with clients who are shopping at some of these venues that have those loopholes. And I'm like, pump the brakes. Let's, let's get on board together first and then we can bring in your decor team. Otherwise you're locked in with their in-house people who may or may not be capable of achieving your vision.
1: Yeah. That's a selling technique. I mean, they're just looping you in like, Oh, your cakes included. Well, what does the cake look like? Is it the design you want or is it just a basic white, practically a sheet cake? Exactly. Um And when you provide so much and so many different services, one of those elements is going to fail because you're not focused on one thing, which should be just the venue.
0: Right. And and the way we do weddings is we have our preferred people, but based on every single client, we're custom mixing their vendor list every single time. So it's never a one-stop shop. Let's talk about capacity and guest list and budget. It all kind of rolls in together.
1: I mean, how many times I feel like we've all had this experience where a client comes in with like 400 people and they say, oh, it'll fit perfectly in here. And we can just tell from experience, the design eye, everything, the max is like 150. So we can show venues that are going to do wonders to your guest count, not make it too tight. Do you want a big dance floor? Let's see where we put it, where we can have a space for that, things like that.
0: You know, because the so- venue is going
1: to say, we can book 200 just to get you in.
0: Exactly. And then you're like, wait a minute. Does that include a stage? No. Does it include a dance floor? No. Does it include space inside the room for bars? No. You know, I don't care how tight it is. No, no, not at all. So that, yeah, that's crucial. And then sometimes beyond that, there are some venues that say like no more than 200 people, regardless if they can fit it or not. So if your guest list is looking like 300 or more, you've got no business even looking at that place.
1: Like there's some venues here that are massive and they'll say, oh, 50, 50 people in here is perfect when really their lowest should be 300.
0: Right. So it, it allows you having your planner on the front end allows you to have just that very well-rounded conversation about budget, which inevitably makes you think about your guest count. Your guest count is your greatest driver of the budget. So we, when we're building budgets, we really look at that per person price point on almost every single line item. And, and that's your variable. You know, I feel like once you get, you know, below a certain number, like maybe, I don't know, below 100 or 75 people, the guest count doesn't really impact your budget as much because you're hitting those minimums. So, But once you get into more volume, that guest count really can, can influence things. I guess the last thing that is good to talk through, and this is also where your planner is an advocate for you and the overall experience versus the venue planner or the venue coordinator who's just selling the venue, is let's beyond the decor and the logistics talking about the guest experience as it pertains to that venue is super important
2: I mean I look at how far is the airport where are there Ubers available where are accommodations what's the price point for those accommodations um and then activities like you know if they're at a resort what are all those things that those guests can do or can't do I mean that also makes me think of you know we've worked at a certain location multiple times where people want after parties and there's literally, zero after party, you know, venues available. And it's a huge thing to some of our clients. So, I mean, that also goes back to what are our clients priorities? You know, if it's, you know, an extended weekend and everything, what are all those venues that we also need to collectively lock in that are close by in relationship to each other?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is it a kid friendly place? Or is it something that they can bring their children and have a nanny and they'll be fine throughout the whole weekend? Yeah, we've, you know, one, one theme. I feel like post COVID people have been a little more cost conscious as, as far as it goes, as far as it pertains to their guests, offering a range of high, medium, low price points for accommodations. Um, but also we've been in situations before where the clients will supplement, uh, room rates just to make it more affordable for their guests mm-hmm. to get there. If they're very much in love with the venue. Ooh, I, that just made me think of one other thing. Some venues require hotel rooms as part of their right. contract. So, wow, Rhiannon, we just went through this, didn't we? Um,
1: <laughs> Rhiannon's favorite.
0: Yeah. So y- you just don't want to be overzealous on. You're committing to not only your wedding, but then all of a sudden committing to filling rooms on your wedding weekend and that can be very stressful because you're booking you know, you're committing to rooms on the wedding night the night before and sometimes it's a three night minimum. so you have to kind of map out how your guests will be allocated information you just don't know it's a it's a guess. And then right. the other thing it, this is where we it was kind of sticky with the client, but it was the contract was, If you commit, let's just say, to 25 rooms, 10 on the wedding night, 10 the day before, and maybe five, two days prior, it's not necessarily necessarily a cumulative, like, okay, you need to book 25 rooms total. It's going to be, they want that allocation per night. So. You know, you might have booked 30 rooms on the wedding night, but only like five the day before you're going to be held to that 10 the day before that you got contracted. So having someone talk you through those things is, is very, very important. So call us before you call anybody else. And if you can't wait, put your name on hold and then call us.
1: 1-800-REAGAN-EVENTS.
0: <laughs> Happy engagement, people.
1: Happy engagement.
0: Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>